Blog Talk Radio. Come get you live. It is Buzzworthy Radio, where you can get the latest buzz on all your favorite shows and stars. Buzzworthy starts now. G'day guys, it's Daniel Goddard from Young and the Restless, and this is my Australian accent. It's uh, Buzzworthy Radio, and it is a fantastic place to be. Excuse me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new episode of Buzzworthy Radio on your computer right now. It's 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Time here on blogtalkradio.com. I'm your host, Navelle J. Lee, and... This is actually going to be a really, really good show for you guys tonight. This is our Daytime Emmy podcast with Soaps and Deaths, Richard Sims. He'll be joining us in about 10 minutes' time. We actually didn't do one of these last year, but we are doing one this year. Sounds good, right? And I believe there's going to be some, a little bit more of Daytime Emmys in the next two weeks when I'm in Vegas where a lot of video stuff, we, I'm not talking about the red carpet, I'm talking about we're going to be doing another pre-daytime Emmy show. So make sure you guys look out for that. Uh, details are actually being finalized a little bit for that. I know we're in the talking stages about doing that. But make sure you guys tune in for that and find out about that on our Twitter and on our Facebook fan page. And if you're not a fan of, of Buzzworthy Radio on Facebook, why aren't you? I mean, it's very simple. Just go to Facebook.com. If you are a Facebook user, like myself, why aren't you a fan of Buzzworthy? Find us. Fan us. Like us. Buzzworthy Radio on Facebook. And if you're not following us on Twitter, shame on you. You should be. Follow us on Twitter at Buzzworthy Radio. And check out our website at www.buzzworthyradio.com. In two and a half weeks' time, ladies and gentlemen, two and a half weeks, 37th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards will be taking place at the Las Vegas Hilton, June 27th, 2010, 9 p.m. Eastern on CBS. There's going to be a lot of of tributes and wonderful, exciting events that's going to be taking place for the Daytime Emmys this year, one of which will be Agnes Nixon receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award. And many of you know her as creating several ABC D10 programs, one of which is On My Children, which will also be getting a nice little tribute because they just celebrated their 40th anniversary this January. Another show that we have found out confirmation on that will be getting a tribute during the, during the festivities will be that of the soap that I first started watching, is that of As the World Turns, which will be saying goodbye on September 17, 2010. It was confirmed earlier this week by uh, Jim Romanovich that As the World Turns will be getting the tribute and recognition it deserves at this year's Daytime Emmy Awards. So I'm looking forward to seeing what it has in store for, for that as well, because it definitely is a show that does need to uh, be recognized for all the years that's been on CBS just as much as Guiding Light, because that's been, that's been a part of our lives for so many, so many years, and I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited that they are, they are giving it the recognition that it finally does deserve, so 
I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. And then also Dick Clark and American Bandstand will be getting an honor at this year's Daytime Emmy Awards. Now, from what I understand, and I don't know how true this is or not, but for those that are supposed to take part in this tribute for Dick Clark, I believe their segments are supposed to be pre-taped. I'm not sure if that is uh, the the full idea of it. I'm not sure if that is how it's supposed to roll out, but that's from, that is what I heard, but I'm not positive of that. So as soon as I get more word on that, I will let you guys know. But as far as I'm aware of, they're, they're, they are supposed to be, be taped. But that's that's what I know right now. But it, like I said, I don't know if that's really true or that's really confirmed or not. So that's just that's the word on the grapevine. So we'll just leave it at that right there. We'll get into more about the daytime Emmys as soon as our guest gets here, which is in about five minutes' time. Just a little bit of news items I want to share with you all before we get down into the nitty-gritty. And I want to say hello to everybody in the chat room first before I get into that. Hey, everybody in the chat room. Uh, I, I'm so glad you guys are tuning in for this tonight. And the game plan for this is in each category that we're going to be talking about, we are going to be – we are taking callers in this show, just so you know. But what we're going to do, so we can save time and get through each category as much as we can, we're going to take one caller per category that we're going to get into and let, you, let your thoughts be heard on each category. So start writing in the chat room. If you just are in there as a guest but you want to participate in the chat room, log on to www.blogtalkradio.com. Register yourself a username and password so that way you will be able to participate in this chat room as well. What we're going to do is, like I said, we're going to take one caller per category and we want you to basically put in the chat room what category you want to be picked up in, and we'll, we'll, we'll see who gets picked for each one. If we have some time um, after we get through everything, we'll definitely take more callers, of course, absolutely. But let us know right now which category you want to vent your opinions about or show your appreciation for, whatever have you, whatever opinions you have. Just let us know earlier in advance which ones you want to definitely take part of, which category, supporting actor or actress, lead actor or actress, or best drama series, stronger actor or actress, whatever one you want to talk about. Let us know right now in the chat room. And a couple of little uh, news, news bulletins here that um, have been dropped within the past couple of days. I know that a lot of people have heard that Vanessa Marcel is returning to General Hospital on the August 11th episode, as I said to as I said to somebody previously, I am a huge Sonny and Brenda fan. Yes, 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 Sonny and Brenda. Yes, I am. So I'm kind of I'm kind of itching to have a little uh, Sonny and Brenda action. Sorry, Kylie, but that's just how it rolls. No, uh, no news has been uh, said as to how long her stay is, but from what I read, they want to keep her for the unforeseeable future. Now, seriously, when you read that, what, what does that mean? Seriously, what does that mean? I have absolutely no idea what that means, so we're just going to leave it at that. Jeff Branson will be making his first appearance on the other wrestlers on June 22nd. Uh, Scott Clifton will be joining, um, at, well, we already know that, but I know we finally got a character name for Scott Clifton's character, his upcoming character on The Bold and Beautiful, and looks like Michael Muni is here to stay as Adam 
Wilson Newman. What what is his name now, by the way? And I uh what is his name? Seriously, what is his name? Adam Newman? Seriously, you have you have more names than probably Elizabeth Taylor's husband or wives or whatever they are. But I'm glad Michael Muni's staying, but a little word of advice, sir. As I told Stacy about the bangs that she was sporting with the curls, which was a huge fashion faux pas, no no. I'm telling you this now. You need to shave off that beehive that you got on your face there. I'm just saying, just just as a fan, just like watching uh, one of my favorite people on screen, I'm just offering some creative criticism. Shave off the beard. Just shave it off. I, I, I really would appreciate it if you did. But you don't have to, for my benefit. I'm just throwing it out there. But enough of that rant. We are now on to the guest of honor that's on the show tonight. Uh, he is the editor of Soap in Death magazine. If you're not following him on Twitter, which if you do, you'll probably get some hysterical anecdotes during live airings of The Young and the Restless, Ed and the Bull and the Beautiful, as well as General Hospital. <laughs> Trust me, I know. I watch him, and I watch him work. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Sim is on the line right now, who, by the way, did not know about this show until a few weeks ago when I told him about it. It's true. It's true. I had no clue. It is true. I had no clue. Your fame preceded you, apparently, but it didn't quite reach. My explanation for that is that the office in which I work gets really, really, really bad cell phone reception, so I have a feeling that my phone would have been ringing constantly with people saying, oh, my God, you need to listen to this show. It's the most amazing thing ever. But because I get such humble, I love humble. In my office, yeah, yeah. That's the only explanation I can possibly offer. I love humble. That's good. I like that. You're you're pretty much now just went up to about number two in my list of people who I like. Now. Number two. Who the hell do I have to knock off? Stacy Hyduke. Hello. Well, okay. I, I guess I can humbly serve as as second place to Stacy. I mean, she is, you know, sort of the reigning goddess. So um, being being right behind her is not a bad thing. I'll I'll definitely take that. Okay, good. Because I was going to say, if you want to knock off uh, Stacy Hydrug off of that list, there we, we might have a little bit of a problem. <laughs> now the funny thing funny thing is, think about Stacy Hydrug. Uh, think about the fact that. You know, a year and a half ago or whenever, when she was on All My Children, we could, we could have cared less about Stacey Heideck. We didn't care about her. We didn't care about – I barely remember the name of the character she played, Hannah, on All My Children. Hannah, And then Hannah all Nicole. of a sudden – all of a, and, and, and Hannah was kind of a little bit psycho, too. Then all of a sudden she comes on The Young and the Restless and gives what is undeniably, unquestionably – the performance of the year. I mean, I mean, it's been it's been just a jaw-dropping tour de force performance, and the fact that she didn't even get nominated is just it, it, for an Emmy is just the most stunning thing in recent Emmy history. It's just it's just inexplicable. Oh my goodness! I, I actually have to agree with that because seriously, I never was saying anything about Stacey Haddock until she joined YNR. I was like, huh. That's odd. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like you know, I knew who she was. I'd seen her on other shows. I'd seen her. I'd seen her in primetime. I'd seen her on daytime, and and I've always been a fan of hers, but not the kind of fan who would, you know, like like go on a show and rave about her. Just like you know, I I thought she did good work, and you know, whatever. 
But then, you know, who could have foreseen the hurricane that would be Emily and Patty? I mean, just just a phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. I think what will be interesting is if they don't keep Patty on the canvas, how long will, you know, Emily is... How long will Emily stay on the canvas? Well, Emily will stay. Emily will stay, no doubt about it. They're not about to let her go. I mean, that's just just crazy talk. But the thing, the the interesting thing will be uh, um, how does the audience... You know, we've seen her giving these amazing performances as Patty, and she's very, very good as Emily, but obviously Emily is not the interesting character. Patty is the much more interesting character. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how the show adapts to that, especially given the fact that that Y&R right now is in sort of a phase where they're telling a lot of sort of of passion-esque stories, you know, with with Patty and grave digging. And, you know, Victor, I, I swear to God, when Victor parachuted out of the plane yesterday, it was an exact replica of when, for days on end, Julian was hanging on the side of a plane on Passions as as Eve was in the plane trying to bring him in. And, and, and it was, it, it, I mean, that went on for days. And when Victor stepped out on the wing of that plane and stood there for like the longest time before he jumped, I was like, okay, does anybody, has anybody ever actually been parachuting? Because, you know, you're flying. The plane has to move a certain speed in order for the plane to stay in the air. And you can't just, like, hang out on the wings standing there. You will get knocked <laughs> off by the wind. The other thing that that's, that's why it's called a soap opera, Richard. You're well, not supposed you know to think logically when it comes to that You know stuff. what? That's not true. <laughs> you know, I, you know that, is, that is what's called a modern soap opera. But the reason modern soap operas are are so down in the dumps ratings wise is because the audience is smarter than they than they're treating us. You know, they treat us like we are complete and total morons. And, and oh, yeah, that's absolutely not you know, today the big reveal on Young and the Restless was Adam Adam, you know, is in bed and, and he's talking to a woman and she comes up over his shoulder and lo and behold it's Sky. Now, it's one thing to bring Adam back from the dead. We had a vested interest in him. We know who he is. You know, he's connected to a core character. Sky, there's no reason to bring her back. Is she a lovely actress? Yes. Did I love seeing her in those dream sequences that, that Sharon had? Yes. But is there any reason on earth to bring a second character back from the dead in the same story? No. It, it, it's, just, it's not even it, just that. It's like... I, when I heard about Sky, I was like, Sky who? Well, like, well, only Sky I know is Chandler. They, when, they showed, when she showed up on screen today, you know, they played the music and it was a big cliffhanger as if, as if the audience was going to go, oh my God, Sky is alive. But as you know, as you were mentioning before, I live tweet the show and my tweet stream was filled with, who is that? <laughs> you know, like, like, That's why exactly why I was like, who's Sky? They're playing music that indicates I should know who she is. It seems like they're playing this as if it's a very big moment. Why the hell do I have no clue who she is? So, yeah, you know, today's, today's soaps treat us like we're morons, and, and they, they try and tell these stories that, you know, they're, they're passable, I guess, but they don't hold a candle to the classic stories that, you know, made, made soaps when millions and millions and millions and millions of viewers were tuning in, you know, when, when, when like 25 million people were tuning in for the adventures of Luke and Laura, the, I kind of blame Luke and Laura for the current demise of daytime because executives ever since Luke and Laura have looked and said, hey, let's mimic what that show did. 
And what they've mimicked is the freezing of the world by Nico's Cassonite and everything. And what they fail to recognize is that the audience wasn't tuning in for the freezing of the world. They were tuning in for this amazingly romantic couple. That's what we fell in yeah. love with. We didn't, you know, and, and so they've been trying to imitate that ever since, but they're imitating the wrong thing. And that's why, you know, daytime is kind of in trouble now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree any more with what you just said than I possibly ever could. And, you know, we got people in the chat room right now just, like, ranting and raving away about everything. You know, I I just, wow, I never realized how many people out there are that devoted to what we watch on the, on the screens right now. And Oh, without much. a doubt. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, when you look at the weekly ratings for The Young and the Restless, um, you yeah. know, yes, they are lower than the, it's the highest rated show, but and and yes, it is lower than you know than it's been in years. But it's still five million people a day. You know, that's that's more than watch you know any show on the CW. <laughs> you know, it's more than watch half of the CW's lineup combined. So, oh, absolutely. So still. Even though, even though you know, the, you know, we always are hearing about how soaps are dying, and you know, of course, we've lost Guiding Light. We're about to lose As the World Turns, but it's still a very viable medium. They just need to get back to telling stories that we actually care about, and they need to they need to stop doing this, you know, kind of kind of ridiculousness that 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 makes fans sit there and roll their eyes and say, "Okay, we're so much smarter than this. We know better than this. Why are you treat? Why are you writing?" stories for two-year-olds. We're not two-year-olds, you know. That's, we don't want this. When, when, when soap fans are given something good, they will, they will tell their friends and those people will tune in. People are loving Billy and Victoria on The Young and the Restless right now. You know, it's a couple that no one saw coming and, and just has become one of the most popular couples on daytime. Uh, Days of I Life. never thought I would love that couple either. Nobody I, I did. Seriously because, because nobody, I mean, I, I, I love Amelia Heinley. Um, I am... But to she has each not their own. But go ahead. She has, I don't mean necessarily. I don't mean necessarily. I don't think she's like the. I've never really liked the character of Victoria as she plays it. Um, I liked Amelia Heinley on Loving. I, you know, I, I during the whole Steffi and Coop era, I was a really big fan. She never really gelled as Victoria for me until they put her opposite Billy. All of a sudden, you know, it's like the character has come alive and. And viewers are loving it, and they're talking about it, and they're getting their friends excited, and their friends telling their friends. Same thing with Days of Our Lives. A year ago, Days of Our Lives was about to be canceled, and it's become one of the the more you know the most buzzed about shows because it's telling really good stories. It's not it's not you know it's not insulting the viewers. It's funny. It's romantic. It's 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 good soap, and that's what people want. That's why The Bold and the Beautiful is the number one show in the world as far as serialized television. You know. Because it tells, it doesn't tell out, you know, these 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 kind of crazy stories about, you know, grave robbing and crop dusters and whatever. It's it's a family drama that focuses on sex and romance and love and you know a little too much family love sometimes. But uh, but it's a show <laughs> that, that that's what it does, you know. Yes, yes, Brooke has slept with all of her children's boyfriend or boyfriends, but but that's another story. <laughs> that is another story. Which I found out about just this weekend, and I had to watch it for myself, but, oh, my God. It was so amazingly well done. I mean, it was like... It was so well done, because you don't know if it was Brooke, though. You don't know if it was Brooke, though. I mean, sure, you don't know if it was Brooke, because... Oh, no, we know now. We know. We know now. It definitely was. 
it definitely was Brooke. They established it yesterday that it definitely was Brooke. And the best thing is Brooke doesn't realize it. Brooke does not realize it. So they've been having these scenes where Brooke is talking to her husband, Ridge, and she's like, wow, that was really hot at the party last night. And he's like, yeah, I guess it was an okay party. you know. And he has no clue what she's talking about because she thinks she's left with her husband. It's such a good soap opera. There is so much damage that's going to come out of this when it all comes out. Oh, let's not have Brooke get pregnant again. Let's, let's not have that happen. And, and it's not because I don't want to see Brooke have, you know, another child fathered by another of her, you know, daughter's boyfriends. You know, we've done that. We did the hope is actually, you know, Deacon's child who was involved, who was married to Bridget. I don't care so much about that. My problem with it is um, I really don't want to think that Oliver, who I really like, I think Oliver, their writing is a really good stand-up guy. He's, you know, I mean, he slept with Brooke, but it was an accident. He didn't know who it was. But other than that, he's, he's a good stand-up guy. He's avoided Stephanie. And if Brooke suddenly turns up pregnant, then that means that the first time he had sex with his girlfriend, who's never had sex before and who's a virgin, he didn't use protection. And that's a bad message to send. So, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it was other under circumstances, I wouldn't really care. But given that this was a girl he, you know, has been treating like a very, you know, like a flower, like he's been really respectful of her, I would really hate very to original, think yeah. that. I would really hate to think that he didn't use protection. That would that would kind of bother me. Okay. Okay. Question before we get into the nominees. Dave wants to know, do you write for the magazine also or only online? Oh, yeah. No, I'm the executive editor. Um, I uh, I write for the magazine. I'm uh, in charge of the ma- – I'm, I'm the second in command at the magazine. Um, I write – Certain sections, um, the remote patrol section, which is kind of, you know, where we do exactly what you and I are doing right here, where we kind of like say, what? And, and, and kind of pick apart some of the stories. Um, you know, we have show editors who all submit pieces for that, and then I kind of like cobble them all together and write them all. Um, I do a lot of our cover stories. I do, um, you know, I, I have my hands on just about everything in the magazine. Although I'll say the one thing I don't really read, and I let my uh, my uh, my my managing editor do, is personal stuff. To be honest, I don't really care about the actors' personal lives. I only really care about the stories. Um, so, so when it comes time to read like a feature with someone or whatever, I, um, I don't usually edit that. I let, I let uh, Charlie Mason, who's our managing editor, I let him take those because I just am not interested. I, and the glory of my job, aside from working with my very best friend, aside from sitting in a room watching soap operas, aside from being able to tweet with fans all day, the other great thing about my job is that I get to pick and choose what I do. So it's nice working to get it. <laughs> I wish. Oh, wait. I actually do do that. Never mind. Yeah, exactly. Let's... See? It's, it's See? good to I totally get it now. I get it. Yes. You know what? It is a, my favorite part of the job really is, you know, this kind of thing where, I, you know, I'm talking to you. When I do my podcast and I'm taking callers, when I'm on Twitter, um, because – I am, I've been, you know, we started this magazine in 1997, I think, and for a couple years before that, I was writing for um, Gannett, I was writing a a column, and from the very beginning, the the reason I got into all of this is because I am the hugest soap geek ever, I mean, I grew up on this stuff, The Edge of Night was my first soap, it was my favorite soap, And, and I love, 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 love nothing more 
get me talking about my soaps, and you will never shut me up. And I get to do that all day, and it's my job. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is pretty much the perfect place for you, because exactly. now we're about to get into the wonderfulness that is, what's it called? Oh, yes, the daytime Emmy were nominations the that were announced. daytime Emmy nominations. Yay! And I know that uh, I know that you have some opinions of your own because number one, you got to watch the tapes. Number <laughs> yes, two, <I> did. <laughs> number two, you are now going to share your thoughts with me, who will probably have to agree or disagree and give you his reasons why. So this is going to be a nice little fun topic of discussion that we're going to have, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you want to call in on this conversation, I didn't give the phone number at the beginning of this show. No, I, you didn't. I, 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 I totally was so to slacking on that. <laughs> I emailed you the phone number, dude. Yeah, well, I had to go look it up in my email. <laughs> well, you had to look it up in your email. But at least you had it. That's true, but I did. These people, don't, do. these people don't. don't in the room don't. don't have it. So here it is for, for you, for, for the listeners, my fans, my adoring public. The phone number to oh, dial brother. into the show. <laughs> Shut up. It's 646-595-4228. Talk to the Jersey Brothers right now. I did not know he was from Jersey, so this is awesome. I am. I, I am. This, I get to talk to another Jersey another Jersey boy on here, so this is great. Uh, so let's uh, get right into it. Let's do it how they used to do it when I was younger and when Emmys actually made sense and not all politics. And they started with supporting actor and actress. That's okay. That's me trying to remember correctly. But I think I'm right. If I'm wrong, please I, tell me. Yeah, I kind of, no, I kind of think you're right. And and I think I think they still, like, they do one of the, I feel like they did that last year, that they started with supporting actor and actress. Um, I don't remember. I I kind of, it all becomes a blur because, as you can imagine, when you're, when you're actually covering it, um, you know, the least interesting part of the whole event is sitting there watching the awards show. <laughs> you know, you're sitting in the theater and you're wearing your tux and you're hot and you're uncomfortable. And all you want to do is for the awards <laughs> show to be over so you can go get drinks and hang out with the actors. And, you know, so so the actual show itself, you just kind of, it's almost a good time to nap, you know, because because yeah. everything else around the event is, except there's parties the night before, there's parties the night after. The last thing you want to do is sit there in that theater and watch two hours of the show, especially since the show tends to ignore daytime for the most part. So I know. Anyway. Sitting in that press room last year, I was like, like are you serious? What I I watch? Can, and, and I, I did. I got up, too. I got up, too, when they announced two one outstanding drama series. I got up to get a sandwich. And when I came back, it was over. I said, what did I miss? Who won? Yeah. It was... It was pretty bad, and and I don't know, you know, I'll be interested to see how this year's comes out, because CBS is advertising it as sort of this big performance-centric thing with, you know, lots of stars, and I mean, or what they're calling stars. I mean, for some reason, Carrot Top is going to be part of the ceremony. I don't know why. Um, so, so, you know, and, and the more the more things they shove into the show, the more things they have to take out to make room for it. And since it's only a two-hour telecast as it is, one of the first things that I fear will be cut is, and it's something that I always love, is the clips. I love seeing the clips. My only complaint about clips is I think they should always submit 
the clips should always be from the reel that they nominated, you know. And that they nominated, is. yeah. It almost I never agree with is. That. They they usually use it as a chance to mentor viewers on current storyline instead of. But I think they should always show because fans. That's what fans always want to know when I'm talking to. They people want to know what they I've submitted. The Why shouldn't it be exactly? Exactly. They say, you know, what did Bradford Anderson submit? And they're not going to find out by watching the show because they very rarely show clips from the actual nominated shows, uh, the, from the actual reels that they, not, they submitted. But here we can actually tell people who are interested what, what was submitted because I watched every single damn Emmy reel. So just for this. <laughs> yeah, here we go. All right. Let's get right down to it with the nominees for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. And unlike the early show, we will be announcing every one of them. We won't stop. The nominees are Billy Miller as Billy Abbott from CBS's The Young and the Restless, Bradford Anderson as Damien Spinelli from ABC's General Hospital, Jonathan Jackson as Lucky Spencer from ABC's General Hospital, Ricky Paul Golden as Jake Martin from ABC's all My Children, and Brian Kerwin as Charlie Banks from ABC's One Life to Live. All right, let's get right down to it. Who, what, where, when, and how. Who submitted the strongest reel in this category? Who do you think should take it? Why? Bradford why not? Anderson. All of that. Bradford Anderson. Um, his reel is fantastic. Um, he submitted scenes when Spinelli came across um, Johnny kissing Maxie on the docks. And it starts out being very sad and heartbreaking because he's just like, he's, he's finally realizing, you know, that Maxie is not, you know, even though he's been crushing on her for a while at this point, and it's before they actually fell in love, or, well, he was in love with her. But um, it's just really heartbreaking. And then, this, and then the last bit of it is him going to um, Lucky, I think, he, I think he goes to the diner, to Kelly's, and he finds Johnny sitting there, and he basically says, you know what, just don't hurt her. It's just, it's beautiful, it's wonderfully acted, it is without doubt the strongest. Now, Billy Miller submitted the longest thing. Um, they basically, when you submit a reel, you are submitting one episode, and you're submitting only your scenes from that episode. Everything else is edited out. So, so it's, not like, it's not like judges have to watch the whole episode, they only watch your scenes. The pro- Billy Miller submitted the episode that was that was Billy centric. It was the young and the, it was the New Year's Eve episode the where episode wasn't it? Right, right. It was well. It was no. It was New Year's Eve where Billy got drunk, walked out in the street, and then had the whole "It's a Wonderful Life" fantasy of uh-huh. what would life be like in Genoa City, uh, you know. And and at the end, you find out he died and all that. Billy Miller is one of my favorite performers. I love him. I think he is just an outstanding actor. This real didn't show him at his best. It was it was good, but it was it was just a little it's a little too not the norm for what what you want to see there. Jonathan Jackson I also expected to have a, a really strong reel, but you have to remember all of Jonathan's really good stuff came after the submission period would have ended because the submission period is from January to January. So it was January exactly. 1st, 2009 to January 1st, 2010. And all of Jonathan's really great strong stuff came after he found out, after Lucky found out about Nick and Liz, and that was after the New Year. So next year, I think he has a lock on this category. No doubt about it. He will walk away next year. This year, not his year. Absolutely not. And, like, seriously, one of the things I started saying in my head was, I hope Jonathan doesn't take it home because he's Jonathan Jackson, a.k.a. 
to Anthony Gary in training. Because it just seems like you just get the award just because it's Jonathan Jackson or Anthony Gary just because it's 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 very it really can come down to are the people who are watching the reels you know are the people who are asked to judge that category are they going to make a decision based on the reels submitted or are they familiar enough with and sometimes they are sometimes they're not are they familiar enough with the body of work where they may say well it wasn't really a great reel but he's a better actor you know um, it really can all come down to that um, we've seen it in the past where We've seen where a bad actor can have one good reel. All you need is one good episode, and you can win. You can win with one good episode. Some, some pretty bad actors have in the past. You can also lose because you don't have the right material in one episode. Because, you know, you may have great material over like a week, but you only get yeah. to submit one day. And that day, may, you know, you maybe have a hard time finding a day that really encapsulates everything that was great about your year. So it really it really comes down to who's judging it. That's exactly how it is with the best drama series because that's what they do. And well, look how Federal Hospital yeah. somehow manages to pull it out because they always submit their best stuff, which is when they do stunt week. Well, and see, I, I'm always confused by General Hospital's wins because, you know, you, you said they submit their best, best stuff, which is, you know, the stunts. But to me... That is not good soap opera. There is no it's reason. It's not. That, that, there that is just no seems like how that, it is. I, I agree, and I don't understand it, because there's no reason that, like, for example, the Metro Court crisis should win over some really strong thing submitted by The Young and the Restless that may not be as flashy, but is actually good soap opera. So, again, it's, it's a little hard to, you know, that's what makes picking the winners, you know, it's, it's more of a shell game than ever because it really depends on who's doing the judging and what their criteria are. So, you know, we do our best. When I am giving, doing this, I do this based on only the real submitted. You know, if I was going by, by, by body of material, I would probably go with Billy Miller. I think he's just a fantastic uh, actor. I love watching him. But when, in all of these categories that we're talking about, I am only judging based on the episode submitted. So, so right. that's what I have to go on. That's why Bradford may take this home. Like, again, we'll see what happens on that night. So uh, we do have a caller for uh, this category, I believe. It's Erica 573. You're on the line. How are you? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, guys. My name is Linda. I'm calling from Missouri. Hey, Linda from Missouri. Hey, how are you? you? Um, Actually, I want to comment on a couple of things. Um, Well, first, what you guys were just talking about, about how um, in our hospital they kind of rely on sleeps. And um, yes. that's a big yes. problem I have with them. To me, the show is too gimmicky right now. You know, they kind of just fall asleep throughout the year, you know. May they give us something decent, November something different. So, you know, I like what you guys said about that. That is so true. But um, do you guys, did you guys see the reels for the pre-nominations, you know, like Brandon Barash's reel? Do you guys know what he submitted? No, we don't, we don't get that. No, um, they, don't they give us a those. list of... They give us a list of who was pre-nominated, um, but they, they don't actually they don't actually submit okay. things. I don't think oh. for the pre-nominations. I think it's just it's sort of like they, the shows get together I think and they decide who. Oh wait, no, they do. They I submit think... for pre. Yeah, they they don't submit until the list comes out, and then once the list of pre-noms comes out, then they submit something, and then based on that they get the nomination, and then once they get the nomination, then they decide what they're going to submit for that. So it's sort of a four-step process. 
Because his breakup with Olivia was so good. I cannot believe he could not get nominated on that. I mean, that was just acted so good. And then right after Claudia's death, when he went to Olivia's apartment, I mean, that was just heartbreaking. That was such good acting. A lot and of it is. A, a lot of it has to do with behind the scenes stuff. You know, like yeah. they may a show may decide. Well, our best chance of getting an Emmy is to put our, all of our support behind this person, and right. so yeah. they do. You know, they say they say, you know, yeah, you had a really good year, but we think that we think that we have a better chance with this person. So it's it's you know, a lot of it has to do less with great material or even talent, as it does. Either A, who the show thinks they have a better chance of, and B, sometimes, and and I, I really hate this about the system, sometimes it comes down to who do the powers that be want to give the attention to, you know, and, and sometimes the powers that be do not necessarily put their best foot forward. Um, there are a couple categories this year where some people should have been nominated but weren't because the people at the show said, you know what, no, we prefer this person. We want to we want to throw this person a bone and we're going to put them out there instead. Um and it's I think it's kind of shameful and I really think it taints the whole process. But it's not like anybody cares what I think. <laughs> how do you and I'm sorry, just one last question. I'll stop taking up so much of your time. But how do you think, you know, the fact that Drew Garrett and um, Sergio Brown were nominated for GH and they were both fired from GH, you know, if they were to win. You know, how would that make, you know, the powers of ETH look? I'm not, you know, it really doesn't make them look like anything. For one thing, mm-hmm. um, it happens fairly often. I mean, right. uh, you know, it, it, well, it but, but before you answer that, was Sarah Brown actually fired? I thought she left on her own accord because she wanted to leave the show. There was actually an article that was – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it's, there have been, you know – one side says one thing, one side says the other. Sometimes both sides say the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you may never know the true story. Um, it's also one of those things um, with, with Sarah, with Drew, with a lot of other actors. A lot of times what happens is the story is out there, and, and there are people who know it, but, mm-hmm. you know, there are things you can't talk about. Um, so, right. you know, it sometimes happens. It's, it's just, you know, nothing... She actually said in an interview, it was on Twitter today, I forget the article, I think she tweeted the link, but she actually says in the interview that she was fired, and she said that she was actually, you know, a little confused because there was so much time left in her contract, and I was under the impression that her contract was almost up, and they just didn't want to renew it, but she actually flat out says in this interview that, you know, she tweeted the link to that she was fired from GH. Well, again, you have to remember <laughs> that there's, you have to remember that a lot of, that, Actors have a reason for saying what they say, right, and the show right. has a reason for saying what it says. And those two things might not serve the same purposes. You know, um, I, you know, that happens a lot. Um, it happened mm-hmm. when when Drew Garrett was let go. There were right. rumors. There were stories. His side said mm-hmm. one thing. The show said another. Um, and the truth usually, as with everything, lies somewhere in the middle. <laughs> well, thank you guys for answering my questions. Thanks for calling, Linda. It has Thanks been a pleasure calling. talking to you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Now, another question I definitely want to bring up, because, of course, I know you've seen it. I've seen it um, in regards to this category. There there have, been a few, there have been a few fans that have come out of the woodwork to say, why weren't the Kish Boys nominated? You know, um, 
in that case, I don't think the show, of course the show's not going to nominate, going to put their support behind them. I mean, you know, the, the show, right or wrong, the show decided that, that the gay overload was a problem, and that's part of the reason that they, you know, they've been pretty, the show's been pretty public about saying that. Um, and that was part of the reason they decided to write them off. So of course they're not gonna gonna you know suddenly come forward and support them in the category. It just it doesn't make sense. Um, it doesn't make sense for them as a show. Um, I also I love both of them. I love them both very 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 much. I think they are fantastic actors. But do I think that they would have had strong enough material to compete in this category and win? No. So to me it makes sense to say you know. To, to, to just not do it. it. I just don't see them having any one episode where if you were only watching their stuff, there was enough there mm-hmm. to get either of them an award. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I, I actually have to agree. I mean, as as groundbreaking of a, of a couple that Kish were on the show, don't get me wrong, and I think both, both actors were great in the part, but was there really anything in there, and any of the episodes that they did were strong enough to garner them any nominations, which I don't agree with. Like, I don't think that... I They could have put together a reel. Anybody can put together a reel. But I think when you look, when you're, when you're going up against, you know, Ricky Paul Golden and Bradford Anderson and, and Jonathan Jackson, do they have something that's going to be strong enough to knock guys like that off the podium? And no, I don't no. think they do. No, it isn't. You know, I don't. I don't particularly think Brian Kerwin does either. But Brian Kerwin does come with a certain recognition factor. You know that that depending on who ends up on that committee voting for that that you know scene. Plus, he's he's acting in scenes off opposite Erica Slezak, who you know is like the queen of the Emmys. So so that can also carry a certain amount of weight. So, it, it, again, a lot of it is political. A lot of it is, you know, is, is selection of, of who we're going to push at the time. And, and the show that has gotten rid of them is not going to necessarily see a lot, of, um, a lot of reason to push them. You know, Drew Garrett is a different story because while they did, they did replace him, they, don't really, they didn't really have um, in that particular category anybody else that they particularly needed to push, you know, um, it, it, the it just it just the new guy wouldn't have qualified. Um, Chad Chad Duel wouldn't have qualified because he's too new, and there's not really in younger actor. There's not really anybody else that I can think of on the show who would have who would have qualified. I mean, unless you're going to put up you know Aaron Refram or, or or someone like that. Who and I love Aaron Refram. He's a great kid and a fantastic actor. But again, they try. They tend to put their when you're talking about younger actor, you tend to put them. Up, as old as you possibly can within the category because the older they are, the more acting experience they have and the more screen time they're probably going to have. So Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So since we jumped to Younger Actor, let's go ahead and do Younger Actor in the drama series right now. The nominees for this category are as follows. Drew Tyler Bell as Tom, Thomas Forrester from The Bull and the Beautiful. Drew Garrett as Michael Carantos Jr. from General Hospital. Dylan Patton as Will Horton from Days of Our Lives. Scott Clifton as Skylar Joplin from One Life to Live. And Zach Conroy as James Balding from Guiding Light. This is another category where there's really, in my mind, no competition. 
Um, Scott Clifton's reel was phenomenal. He submitted the scenes where, um, I keep wanting to call him Dylan, where Skyler walked in, saw that uh, Stacy wasn't really pregnant, and then Stacy and Kim basically led him to believe that it was his child. And, you know, Scott Clifton, like a lot of these kind of actors, you know, like, like um, Jean-Paul Lavoisier, there's a whole, there's a whole, that whole, there's a slew of actors in that age range who are very good at comedic stuff, who sometimes can go a little over the top. This is an example of an actor who is perfectly walking the line between the dramatic and the, the comedic aspect of the scene. And it's just, it's a fantastic series of scenes. Um, Amanda Seton and, and uh, Crystal Hunt work brilliantly with him. It's just, it's one life to live at its very best. It's well written in this scene. It's, it, and, and he just brings it. It's, it. it's completely deserving. And I think, I think this is a case where, because there was no reason for them to write Skylar off of One Life to Live, this is a case where I think when he walks up on that stage and takes the award, I'm hoping, you know, people at ABC look at it and say, damn, we made a big mistake. And you know what? Oh, kudos B&B kudos B &B for snatching them up. I mean, you know. The great thing about going on B&B is that B&B is a show that has um, a tendency of bringing people on for sort of limited runs. Um, so even if he spends a year there or whatever, he could still go back to General Hospital when that's over. Because everybody was like, why didn't General Hospital bring him back as Dylan? And I think that if he walks away in any winter, you know, it's going to make it a lot. It's going to make it a lot more tempting. When B &B he, he, says, he's going to be okay, garnering a little bit more attention for himself if he takes that takes that Emmy home from from the brass or ABC. Is like, oh, we got to get him back. We can't let him go to another network. We have well, to get him back he's, here he's already gone. I mean, there's nothing they can do. He's already gone. He's, oh yeah. You know, um, but but I do think that should he become available again, I think they will very quickly snatch him up and put him back on GH's Dylan Quartermain. Um, I it just I, and I like I said, there's. The other reels in this category are okay. I was surprised that Drew Garrett's wasn't stronger. I really like Drew Garrett. I think he's a he's just a fantastic actor. Um, and, and he basically submitted scenes where after Claudia's death, Michael is not really feeling much emotion. And Jason and everybody is trying to tell him, it's okay, you're allowed to feel, and he really isn't. And if you're a viewer of the show, you got that. You know, you understood it. But if you're on a panel and you don't necessarily follow the show, it's it's kind of a – it doesn't really work as well as you might want it to. Um, mm. and, and, and the other the other people in, in the category, um, Drew, Zach, and Dylan, they all had okay reels, but there was nothing about any of them that comes even close to Scott Clifton. Wow. Wow. I know, right? Wow. I don't know what to say to that. I'm kind of, I'm kind of speechless That's now. right. I I'm said serious. it. Wow. <laughs> I said it. I'm not backing down from it. Wow. You know what? I, you I know mean, what? I said I'm... it, and you know what? Now that we've said it, let's move to younger actors because I love this category. You really want to talk about the category where people get nominated for having the best teeth in daytime television? The best what? The best teeth. Teeth? The best teeth. Oh, teeth. 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 You, you need to just be quiet and read the cat. You just need to read the nominations. I'm just telling you how it is, man. I'm just saying. Well, you need though. You need to read those nominations right now. Okay, okay, okay. Nominees are in this category that still should have been called outstanding younger 
teeth in the drama series are Crystal Khalil as Lily Winters in The Young and Restless, Marty Schulenberg as Allison Stewart from As Turns, Molly Tate Burton as Melanie Layton from Days of Our Lives, Shelley Henning as Stephanie Johnson from Days of Our Lives, and my girl who I think will take this one home because I saw what she submitted. Julie Berman as Lulu Spencer from General Hospital. Okay. So, first of all, Molly Burnett is, I love her. I would watch her comb her teeth. There are certain oh, actresses. Oh, God, in, stop it. There are certain Whatever. actresses. There are certain actresses in daytime, primetime, movies, whatever, who, when they come on screen, you never know what they're going to do. They, they, they are fascinating to watch. They're quirky. They're interesting. And they're like real people in that, you know, the scene might call for them to walk across the room and, and say their line. But as they're walking across the room, they might, like, straighten the table or, you know, they, they, they just do interesting things. I find Molly Burnett to be one of those actresses. Um, she's just, that said, this will not be her year because the real, you know, the real that she submitted, it's a little, it, it's a wonderful little piece, but it's, a, it can't really compete against um, one or two of the others. If I had my druthers, um, Molly would definitely win just because, but again, I'm basing that on body of work, not on real submitted. Based on real submitted, I cannot give it to her. Um, Marnie Schulenberg who I am not a fan of Allison by any stretch of the imagination. But remember how we were saying <laughs> remember how we were saying earlier that sometimes actors can find a really good reel because they just happen to get a really good episode during the year? She did. She pulled out a fant- she she used an episode from when Larry came and like it's I don't know, it's her engagement party or something, you know, one of the five million times Allison was engaged this year. And um, and Larry shows up at the party, and she doesn't want him there, and she finds out that, you know, I don't know, Casey or Emily or somebody invited him. And it's, it's actually really good material. Plus, as an extra added bonus, her hair is not that annoying washed-out blonde. It's kind of the annoying brown hair that they all had for a while. For a while, <laughs> actresses on As the World Turns, I swear to God, I swear to God, I truly believe that As the World Turns buys hair color in bulk, and whatever color they happen to buy, every actress on the show gets that color. You know, for a while, they were all getting blonde. And then, for, then they all had that, like, mousy brown. Um, well, this is from the, like, sort of mousy brown with a tinge of red. And somehow that brings out the best in Marnie Schollenberg because she was really good in these scenes. But again, I am not giving it to her either. Shelley Hemming, uh, um, she submitted the scenes where... Philip was shot in front of her, and I'm just yes. going to say this. That scene required her to come out and scream over his body, and um, she does not have a future in horror. That's all I'm going to say. Crystal Khalil, um, you know, cancer storylines are usually Emmy bait, and they're, they're the, you know, you, you, you expect that when you do a cancer storyline, you're going to get a nod out of it. Um, and she got the nod, I, but she's not going to get the win. Julie Marie Berman is going to win this. My only problem with Julie's reel was the scenes that she submitted were Lulu confronting Maxie and Johnny after she's, you know, and and Maxie basically admitting that that she and Johnny almost slept together. It's fantastic stuff on all three of them. Um, the, the 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 only problem I have with it, and the only way I could see her possibly not getting it, 
and, and I'll be shocked if this happens, but as I was watching the reel, I literally, there is so much good acting going on that halfway through the scene, I totally forgot who I was supposed to be watching. I was, you know, like, Christian Storms was doing a great job, Brandon Barash was doing a great job, and the writing was good. That, you know, halfway through the reel, I forgot who I was watching. The other thing is this episode comes from General Hospitals. You know, General Hospitals is a very misogynistic show, and there is nothing it loves better than having women get in fights and start screaming bitch at each other. And I'm sorry, I was really distracted by how often they called each other bitch and whore and slut. And I was just like, man, you know, maybe... <laughs> they did do that a lot in that scene. Yeah, no, they did. The thing, yeah. Is, the thing is, it might not seem so much if you were watching the episode, because there would be scenes interspersed, you know, and there'd be other stuff going on. But when you edit all of an actress's scenes together, it's, it, it plays as one continuing scene. And so every minute or two, she's saying, you know, you're a slut, you're a whore, you're a bitch. It's, it can be a little off-putting. But I still think I still think she's got to win. Um, it's just it's it's a really 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 good reel. I'm telling you, she's gonna be taking that home, man. She's I, going I to take that home. I I I I am 95 percent with you on that. Like I'm 99 I'm 95 percent with you. I am surprised. Like someone just said in the chat room, I'm surprised um, Kirsten Storms didn't get the nomination this year. Hmm. I can see that. I mean, she had really good material. Um, it, you know, but it may have just come down to, you know, which one's going to get it. Uh, and they went with Julie. And, you know, and it makes sense. Julie won last year. So, you know, why not, why not stick with a winner? Um, you, know, you, know, you know that she's got fans out there in the voting academy because she had enough uh, from her reel last year to, to win. And she has great material that, that was submitted. So it seems smart. You know, why not back a winner? You know, there's a reason that Erica Slezak and Peter Bergman and people like that, you know, and Kim Zimmer when she was still on the on Guiding Light, there's a reason people get nominated year after year after year. And it's because, you know, not only because they have great material and they're great actors, but it's also because, you know, they're known quantities. And, you know, when you go to the store and you're looking on the shelf and you see Pepsi and then you see No Name, you're probably going to buy the Pepsi. You know, you're going to buy the thing you know. <laughs> I never heard of that comparison before, but you're, you're right. It's true. If I, if, seriously, if it's something I know compared to something I don't know, I'm going to go with the something I know part. Exactly. And that's true. I, that, that, that goes with everybody. That goes with everybody because you know you're going to stand behind something that you know and trust rather compared to something that's new and fresh. New exactly. and fresh, really? Did I just use that word? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. You're doing a tampon commercial <laughs> right in the middle of the show. Well, hey. If I could get paid for doing a commercial ad space for somebody, then I'm that person to call, ladies exactly. and gentlemen. Exactly, exactly. Call him. He'll, he'll, sprout, he'll sprout wings. I will, and seriously, all this stuff right now I'm saying is probably coming out of my butt. So, you know. No one is surprised that, by that. That's, that's the thing. Well, no one is surprised by that. No, they're not. They're used to it. <laughs> they're used to they're it. Used exactly. To it. They're used to it. You would know that if you hadn't uh, been under a rock over a year. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. No, it, three years, really. Three years. Wow. Well, three you know, years. I had a magazine to it's write. It's better late than never, I'm building though. an empire. <laughs> it's better late than never. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right? Better late than never, yes. yes. We'll, we'll go with that. 
apparently people did not like that category because no one's really talking about it. So we're going to go ahead to the next one. <laughs> they, All I right. guess they were like, that was a snooze fest for them. So <laughs> they were they were they were hopping on the younger actor part, but this one they're not. So I think, I guess I can agree with that. The only thing they were really saying is that they don't want Julie Berman to win. That's all they said. Well, they may be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they are. Sorry, folks. You, you, you're probably not going to get your wish. It was just like how I felt when Jennifer Landon won all those Emmys that time, three in a row. But I'm not bitter. Right? Well, you really have no right to be, you know? I mean, um, I don't know if you know this, but you ain't her. Are you? Oh, my God, are you? If so, this is the best doppelganger story ever. (laughs) Why in our take notes? This is how you do a doppelganger story, not that mess that you did with Sarah Smythe. We won't get into that, because if I talk about that, I will be here all day. Unless you want me to. No, no, we won't talk Lipstick Lauren. Instead of Lipstick Lauren, we'll talk supporting actress. Thank you. Yeah, i got to get that image out of my head. Beth Chamberlain as Beth Rains falling from Guiding Light. Julie Pinson as Janet Snyder from As the World Turns. I was excited about this one. Carolyn Hennessy as Diane Miller, General Hospital. Ariane Zucker as Nicole Walker from Days of Our Lives. And Bree Williamson as Jessica Brennan for One Life to Live. Now, who would you pick? Out of this category... Well, of course, out of this category. I would. I would. We're talking about. <laughs> well, who would yeah, you pick? Out of all the obvious. State the obvious, <laughs> state the obvious again. Uh, out of this category, I actually think that I would put my money on Ion Zucker or Julie Pinson taking this. It's one of those two. I could wow. see one of those two taking it. I, you know, I might have I to go love, to Vegas. I love Carolyn Hennessy. I do, but. There's a lot of her stuff that's too comedic, and I don't think that if, if the judges don't know that very well about her character, they may not go for that. So I don't see Carolyn Hennessy taking this one. Beth Chamberlain loved the woman to death, loved her. The final year of Guiding Light was definitely her year. Um, do I think that she has a strong enough reel for her to take it home? Maybe. I know she has a lot of body work that she definitely, if she could have submitted a lot more stuff, oh, absolutely. She would overtake all of them in a heartbeat. But I I could see Ariane probably taking it. I could probably see her taking it. Julie Pinson, I love her to death. I do love her to death. That's oh, the one you I love don't know everybody. You love everybody. I, I do love you're everybody. A big, you're a big old love fest. <laughs> You notice what name I did not mention, right? I'm not going there. You're not dragging me down. I know you're not because you know what I'll say. You're not dragging me down in your mud. Okay, here. Here's the deal. Let's talk this category. There is some very good stuff, and there's some stuff that is not so good. Um, Ariane Zucker's good. She's very, very, very good. Um, She submitted scenes where Nicole tells EJ that she switched the babies, and, you know, and that's... It's very dramatic and it's very good. Um, and, However, and she could, no, she could win. Um, I, I I could see that. Julie Pinson, um, 
I'm a really big fan of hers, and I'm kind of surprised how much, for some reason, and I don't know why, I did not like... I, I liked the idea of her reel more than I liked the actual reel. She submitted stuff where um, it's after Brad has died, and uh-huh. Jack and Janet's marriage is kind of falling apart. And for some reason, there, there were several different Julie Pinsons. There's the Julie Pinson we got on Port Charles, who is not a good actress. There's the Julie Tenton we got. On, there's the Julie Tenton we got on The Young and the Restless <laughs> during her short stint as Shiloh on The Young and the Restless, who was phenomenal when she did that short stint. I was like, who is this woman, and where was she during the entire run of Port Charles? The the Julie Tenton we get on on As the World Turns is, I love her, but she's a little hit and miss. Sometimes she's dead on. And what about the Julie Tenton that was on Days of Our Lives? You forgot I forgot about one. Julie Pinson that was on Days of Our Lives. You're right, and I liked that Julie Pinson. I really liked that Julie Pinson. The Julie Pinson on Days of Our Lives is, like Days of Our Lives itself, a little schizophrenic, and it depends a little on the material and the direction that she's given. <laughs> Days of Our Lives, I mean, As All Turns is a really, really schizophrenic show. You know, like like one day it'll be fantastic family drama, and the next day it'll be, you know, Meg going crazy and 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 some weird pair of twins kidnapping Noah or whatever, like psycho du jour. And and Julie Pinson's reel for me this year was a little bit like that. It was it was part good, part a little too forced. It came off as a little too forced in some areas. Beth Chamberlain's reel was fantastic and, and to be honest, I think she should win, but I don't think she will. Um, I I don't think they're going to give it to Guiding Light. I just don't. Um, I I do think mm-hmm. of the reels submitted, I think hers is right is probably the best. Um, she submitted stuff where um, she's reacting to. She finds out that Coop died, and then she goes home and she basically lashes out at Alan and says, "You know, you never loved me, uh, Coop. You right. really knew what love was." Brie Williamson. Okay, here's the thing with Brie Williamson's reel. Brie oh Williamson, my God! Here we go. Bree Williamson submitted no. Bree Williamson submitted stuff where it's the episode where Jessica um, is in full Beth mode, and Vicky is pretending to be Jean Randolph to help to help Jessica remember what happened that night. The scene, the, the episode opens with Jessica dressed all in black and wearing black glasses, and her hair pulled back, opening the door to Vicky, who is standing there all dressed in black, wearing her little Jean Randolph glasses. And if you did not know better, if you were watching this for the first time, if you were unfamiliar with the show, and you have to remember, voters might not be familiar with your show or story, if you were watching it for the first time, you would think you were watching a Saturday Night Live skit. It, it, it just, it, it's like, what the hell is going on here? It just, it looks like women in black, you know, instead of men in black. It, it just, it just does not, it's it's very dramatic and it's very nicely written and stuff, but I, I just don't think that any viewers are, will necessarily get it. Carolyn Hennessy rocked it. She knew exactly what Did to she? pick. She picked a Thanksgiving Day episode in which Diane goes over to Alexis's house for Thanksgiving and little Molly. Okay, if you can throw a kid into your scene who is a good actress, you're golden. Little little Molly basically gives her a dollar and says, you know, you're my lawyer now, and says we're setting my mom up. Then Diane goes to Sonny's little club and has this whole scene with Milo and um, some other guy, not Max. I can't remember who the other person in the scene is, where they, they're talking about Max's impotence, and then she, 
she and Max have sex. It's just, it's a funny reel, but it's not, you know how Diane can sometimes be over the top? It's not that Diane. It's the really great, best Diane ever. And it's Diane and Alexis, Diane and Molly, Diane and a lot of characters. So you get, you get that this is, she is the epitome of a supporting actress, you know? The, um, really? She's, just, she's perfect. Plus, let's not forget, never forget, you don't know who's going to be on that panel. And what do we get every week from Carolyn Hennessy? We get those hysterical little one-minute cameos on Cougar Town. She has primetime cred behind her. And she she's is got primetime stuff behind her. And she, I mean, and she's she done primetime guests and everything. I mean, she, she, she is. is so, I, I agree. And she is so funny on Cougar Town in those one-little-minute things. You always want to rewind and watch her scene again because she kind of comes on, delivers her line, and exits. So, yeah, Carolyn Hennessy, I love her. She's one of my favorites. I... Bought, I, I bought a tie to wear to, la, to, to the Emmys two years ago specifically because it looked exactly like the cover of one of her Pandora books. <laughs> um, I, I worship her, and finally she is going to get recognition. She is going to walk away with this one. I hope. Oh. <laughs> wow. Hello. Carolyn Hennessy, ladies and gentlemen. Hers, I mean, seriously. My, hers was literally one of my favorite reels of all the reels. It, it was that good. It was just charming. Out of and everybody combined, not just this category, but everybody. Not just this category. Out of all the reels combined, um, hers was one of my favorites. Um, Scott Dillon's was another of my favorites. Um, and, and it's because they really, they show that soaps can be more than just, you know, strum and drum. They can be drama and and comedy at the same time if you've got the right kind of actors. And it really showcases these actors as being, you know, just, it, it showcases that daytime has some of the best actors in the biz. This, these, mm-hmm. If these two people win the awards, if Carolyn Hennessy and Scott Clifton win, in my mind, it, it, it almost says, you know what, the daytime Emmys are more than just about daytime. They really transcend that because because. These actors are so incredible. You could put them in any project, and they would work. That's how good they are. Wow. I like that assumption because I, it's, it's funny that you said it because there was actually a daytime actress that actually said those exact words to me, you know, in there. In, you know, because this is the hardest genre to work in than any other oh, genre that, that's course. out there. Of and course if you can do daytime, you can make it anywhere. Exactly. It's 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 like New York, New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Absolutely. That's why I, I that's why I really find it what's the correct word I want to use? I find it dismal that people look down on on daytime. I really, really do. I agree. It's interesting. It's it changes it really depends on who you're talking about. I mean there are certain people in the mainstream part of the business who don't look down on it and, in fact, look at it as a great place to cast people from because they know just – I mean, like Law & Order, when there were more soaps in New York, Law & Order was famous for giving really, really good roles to to daytime stars. You know, um, Adam uh, David Canary uh, played uh, a walker, um, um, a gay man who escorts older women to the opera and stuff in an episode that was just fantastic. And, you know, I, I, there are – there are just a plethora of New York actors from daytime who have been hired 
by law and order over the years, um, including Scott Evans. He had a great episode of SVU um, earlier this year, just a just a really really fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't he wasn't in it all that much, but it it really showed his diversity. I mean, it'll be great for his reel. Um, you know, not his Emmy reel, but his 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 actual professional reel. It's going to be fantastic. So there are certain parts of of the industry as a whole that don't look down on daytime, but there are other parts that do. They sneer on it. And one of the places is the mainstream media that the publicists in daytime are working so hard to get pieces of. You know, USA Today broke the Vanessa Marcel story um, uh, earlier this week. Yeah. We, got, we, got, we, were told, we were told the night before, um, the news came out on Monday. We, were, we got an email Sunday night saying, just so you know, um, they're going to release it, that USA Today will have it on Monday morning. And I pick up Monday morning's USA Today, and I'm scouring the paper looking for it, and it's this tiny little three-line blurb. It doesn't mention that Vanessa Marcel starred on Las Vegas. It doesn't mention that she was on Beverly Hills 90210. It's, it's just this really badly written little three lines, and I'm like, wow, this is what, you know, you guys, and this is what all the publicists at the shows bend over backwards trying to get is this kind of mainstream media. Or when they break the Franco story with people. And, you know, the, the articles inevitably say, oh, you know, James Franco is doing daytime. That's so beneath him. I, I don't understand why they're so desperate to get attention from, from that kind of audience that looks down on them. But anyway, we've gotten far off the track, as often happens when I begin speaking. It does. It, hey, it, bro- it broadens up the conversation, which is why exactly. I like that. That's what I love about I'm a about talker. It. I'm a talker. And, Hey, that is the best person to have on these kind of shows. Because if you don't have a talker, then what do you have? Dead air. That's true. That's true. All right. Are we moving to lead? Are we moving to lead actor and actress? Yes, we are. Yay! I'm throwing that out there. But uh, all right, my my two favorite my two favorite categories, uh, obviously, um, throughout the entire show that we always have to wait till the end for. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The end of the show is always best drama. It's well, always they always the last. show those two towards the end before we get yes, to it goes, the goes. Yes, now we go into the finals. We go into lead actor, lead actress, directing, writing, and, of course, closing out with best drama. Best drama. It's always, it's always case in point. Whoever wins, like, best writing always somehow manages... That that's not always true, but it's like no, a 90% in fact, it's almost, chance. No, actually, actually, no. It's almost always not true and and for years the many people in the soap press including myself have said how can you win best drama and not win best writing but when we get to those categories tonight i'm going to explain to you exactly how it happens because tonight for the first time i know and i understand look something to look forward to i'm doing a teaser (laughs) all right all right i definitely want to understand that a little bit better because I, I've and always used will. that assumption. You will, uh, my friend. Right. I will explain it to you, and you will say, my God, Richard, you're a genius. I don't know if I'll say those exact words, but you we'll will. find trust, out what happens. <laughs> Outstanding lead actress in a drama series. The nominees are Crystal Chappelle as Olivia Spencer from Guiding Light, Michelle Stafford as Phyllis Newman from The Young and the Restless, Maura West as Carly Tenney from As the World Turns, Sarah Brown, Claudia Zakara, Carinthos from General Hospital, and Bobby Eakes as Crystal Carey from All My Children. This, Floor. Is a, 
this is a good category. I mean, you got some good actresses in this category, yeah, you do. obviously. Um, uh, the problem is the actress who should win isn't here. Stacey Heiduck is the actress who should win. There is just there is oh, just absolutely. kind of a black cloud. There was a black cloud hanging over this category because there's you know she is the elephant in the room. She should have been nominated, and the fact that the show did not throw their support behind her and get her a nomination is just it's a crime. <laughs> it's just it's just a sin. Um, so even, and you know, when in next week's issue, when we like talk about our picks, um, she's my pick to win, <laughs> you know, I know she can't win, but she's, she's my should win. Um, because, because right. there's just no way that, you know, that as, as with no disrespect to any of the actresses in this category, there is no way that Stacey Heideck shouldn't be in this category and shouldn't win it, period. Uh, there's just, there's just no two ways about it. But since she's not here, we have to give it to somebody else. Um, there were some really, really strong things here. Um, I know that Crystal Chappelle is like one of the most loved actresses to ever come down the pike. She's like, you know, Venus on the half shell, and I love her. But um, the the these scenes didn't really do it for me. She submitted um, when when Olivia basically told Natalia, finally admitted to Natalia, I think on Natalia's wedding day, um, that she loved her, and they're very nice and they're very good, but. You can't help be, but be distracted by the production values. You know, that was one of the problems with Guiding Light um, during that final year. And, you know, they're also really um, trying very, very hard to hide um, uh, Jessica Lecce's pregnancy. And there's still a lot of things working against these scenes. So I think she'll have a better shot next year um, with Days of Our Lives than she did during this final year with Guiding Light. Uh, Sarah Brown's reel is from when Claudia was in the hospital after she, well, she hadn't technically lost the baby. Um, she was she was in the process of losing the baby. Like, they knew the baby was dead, and they still had to do a DNC. And it's it seems with um, her and Sunny and a couple other people, as she's laying there and she's talking about, you know, the pain of losing this baby and what the baby meant to her, it's very powerful, but here's the problem with it. Again, remember, you may not know the show. You may not know the story. Claudia, at that point, was in so much pain that she was unemotional. You know, she was kind of cold and detached. And that comes across in these scenes. And so while it's, you know, a phenomenal acting on the part of Sarah, if you're coming into it cold and don't know the story and don't know, you know, like everything that came before and, and the, the, the whole story of her and Sonny's, of, of Claudia and Sonny's relationship, you walk away from it unimpressed because it's, it's, it's such great acting, but it's not the kind of acting that's on the surface. So that could be a problem for her. Michelle Stafford has a fantastic reel. I love the Stafford and her reel rocks. Um, it's, Nick telling his wife that Sharon might be carrying his child and, and Phyllis reacting to this, you know, like this, after all the humiliation she's been through, you know, with, with him running back to Sharon all the time. Um, and, <laughs> and then he goes and he gets, and, and, and then she finds out that this baby might be his. Um, it's, it's really, really, really great stuff. Um, just, just the kind of stuff that Michelle Stafford delivers regularly and easily and, you know, I mean, I mean, literally, I think she could fart this stuff. She's so good. She she just is... What? She's a, she's a powerhouse of an actress. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, 
meaning that some people really have to work to give this kind of performance. <laughs> Michelle Stafford is so talented. She could just walk in, look at the script, walk on set, and be like, okay, let's do this, and, you know, it's over. Uh, she's just, she delivers. It's just, she's awesome. Um, and yet, I don't think she's going to win. Um, more well, or less, why? Uh, because Maura West submitted a reel from when everybody got together and did the intervention when Carly was drunk. And there are just, there's a lot of material in it. And there's also some stuff that's really hard to beat. Like there's this great moment where um, Carly is trying to leave. I, they're at a cabin or maybe they're at, I don't know, maybe they're out at the lake. Well, I don't know, wherever they are. She tries to leave and Parker stops her. And Parker has always been like, you know, he's been enabling her for months at this point. And even though you don't know that watching the reel, there's this great scene where it's a mother trying to leave and her son saying, no, you need help. You have to do this. It's just, it's a really, really, really fantastic reel. Um, so uh, I, I, my, my ultimate choice to win would be, would be Stacey Heideck. She's out of the running. So <laughs> as much as I, if I was giving it for body of work for the year, I would give it to Michelle Stafford because she just is such an amazing deliverer. I don't like the way they write Phyllis these days, but Michelle Stafford makes it work. Um, but based only on the reels submitted, I have to say Maura West will will definitely walk away the winner. Yeah, wow. I mean, I seriously would have picked either Maura West or, or Michelle Stafford. I, probably Michelle Stafford more than Maura West, but with what your description of what she did submit, I, I would have to say, I'd say more or less, but, but she could walk into a room and fart. <laughs> you totally made me go back to no, the No, 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 that's not, I did not say she could walk into the room and fart. I said she could fart I didn't finish the out. statement. <laughs> I didn't even finish said, the statement. I just couldn't do it. I just, <laughs> listen, I just, I have a lot of experience at this. There's this horrible experience that I've been having lately. I'll go on a podcast or I'll do my podcast, and I'll say something like, you know, if I was writing the story, Sonny would leave the mob. And the next day, I will get 50 people on Twitter all saying to me, oh, my God, I read in a message, room, in a, in a, in a message board that you said last night, Sonny's leaving the mob. And I'll be like, no, that's not what I said. I said if I was writing the show. So, so I, I, I need to be very careful and say I did not say, you know, I did not say Michelle Stafford walks around farting. I said, you know, <laughs> you know I don't want to be misinterpreted and, uh, and have these people. Dude, watch, that'll people be like the headline tomorrow in, in, right, exactly. in like a magazine somewhere. It's like, why on earth is Michelle Stafford farts on set? Right, exactly, yeah. And then that's not what I'm saying. I love her, and I do not want my God, I do not want to get the mail from these people. No. <laughs> Let's move on to lead actor, shall we? <laughs> yeah, after that embarrassment. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Smells of fart acting indeed, Joey Tribbiani. Uh, Peter Burke and Jack Abbott from The Young and the Restless, John Lindstrom and Craig Montgomery from As the World Turns, Michael Park, Jack Snyder from As the World Turns, Doug Davidson, Paul Williams from The Young and the Restless, and James Scott as E.J. Demera from Days Are Alive. This was actually the hardest category for me, I think. Um, first of all, I love Doug Davidson. I think, he, oh my God, I just think he's such a good actor and he's so natural and he has such a presence. 
but he's not a lead actor. He's a supporting actor, and he should have been in that category. Um, I just don't think his – I mean – and again, I'm kind of going against my own rule here because I, you know, I'm judging his body of work when really you're only supposed to be judging what's on the reel. Um, it's a very right. nice reel. It's a very good reel. It's basically him. It's basically Paul confronting Victor and saying, you know, look, you're responsible for what's wrong with my sister. You brought her to town. You knew she was crazy, and you set her off. You know, you put her, pointed her at Jack, and said, "Go get him." Um, so it, it is a good, good scene. Um, I kind of feel like it's a weird scene in that Eric Braden. Um, who, you know, Eric Braden is a presence, um, and in this scene, Victor, you know, I, I don't think it's a big secret that Eric Braden didn't particularly love that everybody was blaming Victor for what happened with Patty. Um, he, he, he didn't really like that. And in this scene where, you know, this very emotional scene where Doug Davidson's Paul is yelling at him and blaming him for what happened, um, Victor just kind of stands there and is very stoic and very non-reactive and to the point where it's a little bit distracting from the scene. So, so it, it kind of didn't work for me. Um, John Lindstrom um, had a nice theme. He, um, it was stuff about him vowing to help Carly after, <laughs> right after she almost runs him down uh, while she's drunk. She's trying to prevent him from telling somebody something, I can't remember what, and, um, and, and she sees him standing there and says, hey, I'll just run him down, um, which is just, that's so Carly. But it's, it's actually a better scene, the, the, the scenes are better for Mora than they are for John, so I don't really think this is, is his year. Um, which brings us to the three contenders. Um, Peter Bergman had, fant- you know, Peter Bergman is, is, is like Michelle Stafford, um, she, he, he's just one of those actors who knows what he's doing. There's a reason that he's won so many times. It's because he's a he's just a great actor, and he has that ability to just, even though Jack does bad, he's kind of a jerk a lot of the time. He's sympathetic. You know, Peter Bergman has those eyes that just, he, he knows how to aim at the camera and make you feel for Jack. He can just rip your heart out. And in these scenes, it's especially true because it's when he confronted Billy about having slept with Sharon. Um, and it's just, it's just really good, heartbreaking stuff. Michael Park's scenes are the kind of thing you expect to be really strong and win. It's when Jack told Katie that he was the one who shot Brad, and they're in the hospital, and Katie's like, you know, right. obviously Katie's... But this is another of those scenes, kind of like Sarah Joy Brown's. Um, it's the same thing where uh, Jack is so in shock, and, and he's trying to confess this thing, but he doesn't even know how to say it, so he's a little unemotional. And for that reason, the, it doesn't connect as well as it should. So, you know, if if he wasn't up against people like Peter Bergman and the next person we're going to talk about, he'd probably have a really good shot. And maybe he still does, but for me, it, it didn't work. And then the final person in the category is is James Scott, um, who, you know, this is sort of like Stacey Heideck. Remember when James Scott was on All My Children? You know, he was – nobody cared. He was nobody cared. kind of – he was not interesting. His character wasn't interesting. He was kind of boring. Then he comes on Days of Our Lives as EJ, and my God, brings the house down. He's just he's just proving what a great actor is and what a good actor can do with good material. And although although sometimes I say a really great actor is one who can make you know bad material really really good, but anyway, his real here is um, his real here is when EJ finds out that Grace died, and then he goes to the morgue and he talks to a bed, dead baby. That's 
tough stuff to beat. You know, I mean, I mean, you've got an actor who's who's dealing with a lot of emotions here. I kind of want James Scott to win because I think he did such an amazing job. But again, familiar quality, familiar quantity in Peter Bergman, and Peter Bergman's reel is really fantastic, and he's opera- op- he's working opposite Billy Miller, who brings his best in this scene. So as much as I would like to say that Days of Our Lives will get it for 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 James Scott, I think it'll be Peter Bergman again getting his what is this like his 962nd Emmy? Um, well I love deserved. Count. Uh, uh, I, me too. Um, but but I think he's gonna rack up another one because it's really just a good 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 reel. Wow, I I have to agree with you because you know I. You know, as you were saying in regards to James Scott and, you know, throwing it back to what you said about Stacey, yeah, no one cared when he was on All My Children uh, until he, and then when he got on Days of Our Lives, it was like, wow, who, who, who's this guy? Where was this guy when he was on All My Children? But, you know, he had more, he had more material to work with as well because look, with, how, look how they made that character as soon as he first stepped onto the scene on that show. He didn't have that kind of material when he was on All My Children. At all. Well, I don't know if that's even fair to say, because he did. I mean, he was Erica's unaborted fetus. I mean, that's that's a lot of material to work with right there. Um, and he had strong story. It just wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't, maybe it wasn't a good fit between actor and character. Maybe it just wasn't, you know, maybe something just didn't work. Um, but, you know, boy, that's sure not true with Days of Our Lives, because he's just, he's, he's, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen him involved in Erica's unaborted fetus, but he wasn't a part of that since that wasn't Erica's child. But that's just me. Well, yeah, I mean they rewrote history, of course, but that doesn't that doesn't mean he didn't come in with a really really strong story. I mean that's you know no matter what I mean you, he no wasn't you... um, Erica's unaborted fetus. That's Colin Egglesfield. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. You're right. My God, who was Ethan? Oh, Ethan was that was, Jake, Zach's, was son. Zach's kid. Oh, never mind. All right, so never mind. Well, he wasn't that. Well, he still didn't make. See, that's how little of an impression he made that I was willing to say he was the unimportant fetus. I'm like, what do you mean he wasn't the unimportant fetus? Of course he was. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't. Well, there goes my there goes there goes my expert standing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah, on fine. That note, um, let's, let's get on let's, to the let's, go to let's get on to the writing and directing. Let's go to directing. directing. First. Uh, you uh, know what? I'm just going to stop first. you. We're not even going to we're not even going to waste time on directing because GH submitted the carnival. There's no way they'll lose. Period. I mean, they went on locate. They, they built that whole carnival in the parking lot. You know, it's gorgeously filmed. They show Edward plowing people over. Nothing that anyone else submitted can possibly compete with it. I mean, when One Life to Live submitted a car wreck, and it's one of those soap opera car wrecks where, you know, people throw their hands up in the air and go, ah, as they head into the light that looks so silly and cheesy. So, yeah, GH, well, we don't even have to talk about this because there is no way anyone but GH wins that award. That's true. All right, so let's let's just go right ahead to the writing. <laughs> uh, the Bold of the Beautiful. As the world turns, all my children and the young and restless. Okay, remember what we were saying earlier. How does a show win best writing, but not win best drama, but not or vice versa? Best drama. Yes. This yes, is. Yes. I could see it happening this year, and here's why. Okay, in the writing category, um, 
as all turns had kind of kind of a typical episode um you know it's the one where uh audrey killed james and janet tried to prevent liberty from having an abortion and then there's stuff with paul talking to emily about getting married i mean nothing really huge happens in the episode but it's it's a solid episode you know it's it's a good episode it's it's it shows what as the world turns can do and it's you know there's nothing great about it there's nothing awful about it it's a good episode all my children um i i don't know why they submitted this under best writing i really don't but they submitted the episode where bianca and reese are getting married and as they're getting married Greenlee in full wedding regalia is driving off a cliff or being driven off a cliff. Oh, why did they submit that? That was awful. No, it just it just was. I mean, you know, when you're when you're dealing with the other two shows, B and B and Y and R submitted really emotional stuff, and so you know, really character driven, really honest, really emotional stuff. So when in the first five minutes of All My Children's Best Writing submission, you see a woman in a leather jacket and a wedding gown going driving over a cliff. You're just sort of like, okay, next. It, it just, it just. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how they came up with the decision to submit that one. Um, <laughs> BMB. They submitted this in several categories. They did it in directing. They did it in writing, and they did it in drama. Because BMB is a half-hour show, it gets to submit two episodes. And two so they episodes. That's right. They right. So they submitted back-to-back episodes where um, where Betty White's character Anne died. Um, the first episode is sort of like, you know, they take her home and she's there and, and she has a little stroke and they take her to the hospital. And then the second episode is they go through all the rigmarole of getting her out of the hospital and they take her down to the beach and she dies on the beach. Um, it's, it's a really, really, really great episode. Um, and they submitted that for both writing and drama. And I think they have a decent chance of winning Best Drama because it is so wonderfully dramatic. I mean, you know, who has, who, it's, it's horrific to think about having to deal with the death of a parent. Um, it's, you know, and, and that parent does not want to be hospitalized, and yet they wind up in the hospital, and then you have to get them out of the hospital and take them to the beach, and they die. And if you saw those episodes, the very end of the second episode, a younger version of, of it's Betty White's spirit, or, or Anne, she played Anne, it's her spirit or soul or whatever. She walks down the boardwalk as this lovely music plays, and she fades off into the distance. It's like she's going to heaven, and it's just it it it, it makes you weep. It's so nice, but it won't win them writing. I don't think. I don't think it'll win them writing because you know a lot of the episode is sort of you know typical B and B where it's it's um, sort of overwritten and a little bit you know a little bit over melodramatic and stuff. So I don't think it'll win them writing, but it could very well win them for best drama because that's the difference. In best drama, you're looking at the dramatic impact of the show, um, whereas in best writing, you're looking at the actual dialogue. And the dialogue was okay, but it wasn't fantastic. But the drama was fantastic. I think the winner in best writing will be YNR. YNR submitted um, Chloe and Billy's Wedding Day. And the only flaw in this episode is that it ends with you know, it, it ends with the kind of silly cat fight, a cake fight, I should say, between Jill and Catherine. Um, and that's, you know, that's a little over the top and a little silly, especially given all of the really lovely stuff that comes before. But it is a heartfelt episode. It's, it's got, it shows Y&R at its best, or what used to be its best, when it was telling solid, relatable, you know, family drama stories. 
So I think Y&R definitely walks away with best writing. With it, just it just it seems destined to please God. I'm muted. You're muted, muted ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Uh, home. Like I'm, I'm, I noticed that. The Unmuting me. Hello, I'm back. Like well, I had to spend like five. I, I seriously had to spend like five minutes trying to unmute this switchboard, and I'm like, okay, why am I muted? And they won't let me come back on my show. <laughs> what are they trying to tell me? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But you know, we got all the way down to the end. We only have one category left. I think that's why they muted me. So that I wouldn't Maybe. talk about this category. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the final one. Outstanding drama series. The nominees for this category I don't have a drum roll. Otherwise I would ask for otherwise I would play it. But I don't I have a drum I can, roll. I can, so. I can hold the phone to my stomach and you could hear it rumbling, but that's the best I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to tune out. I want them to stay here. <laughs> the nominees for this one, All My Children, The Bowl of the Beautiful, General Hospital, The Young and the Restless. Okay, so this category, All My Children submitted the Night of well, we now know it to be Stuart, but at the time we thought it was Adam's death, with, with everybody going to the right. mansion and everybody confronting him. And they, uh, they also submitted that episode for Best Directing, by the way. But again, you know, that they're going to lose to the carnival, so it doesn't really matter. But, um, but it's, it's an okay episode. I mean, you know, it's, it's very dramatic, and there's lots of gun-waving and finger-pointing and accusations made. Um, it's, it's an okay episode, but I don't think it really has what it takes to win Best Drama. Um, the Bold and the Beautiful, as we said, submitted the back-to-back episodes in with which Stephanie and Pam take their mom to the beach, and um, and she dies. And you know, they might just win for no other reason than they killed Betty White. You know, I mean, come on, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody said about favorite. that category. They're going to win just for Betty White. Yeah, they they <laughs> could, but if they, if they do, it will be well deserved. If B and B happens to get its second. Not, not only its second win, but its second win in a row, um, it will be well-deserved because, like I said, it's a really good drama. It's, it's, it, the episodes really showcase that. But here's where the competition comes in. You know, um, you've got General Hospital and The Young and the Restless. General Hospital submitted the carnival and the chaos around it. And again, I don't think that what they submitted is what I would want to see win for best drama, but they win right. with this kind of stuff. They've done it before, you know, and, and every time it happens, I'm like, really? So they could. The Young and the Restless submitted um, some really, it's just really great drama. Um, it's, it's Nick telling Phyllis that the, the baby died, that his insurance baby died, and at the same time, Victor's in the hospital having been shot in the chest by Patty, and Tracy decides to pull the plug on Colleen. I mean, it's just, it's really fantastic emotional stuff. So 
um, you know, in this category, I'm saying that I think The Young and the Restless should win, but that I actually think, just because they have a history of it, that somehow General that is Hospital gonna, somehow will General Hospital is yep. going to take it home. Yep. Because somehow of the they will. We I all know that. To. I don't want them to. And the reason I don't want them to is General Hospital, every time General Hospital walks away a winner, whether it's for best writing or for best uh, drama, it reinforces the idea that there, that people you know, like the mob and that we want all violence and all dark and all gloom. And, you know, there's a significant portion of the audience. Yes, there's a, there's a part of the audience that really does like that and that does support that and that does is behind that. But there's, there's a, no question I, about I that. Think, but I think there's a larger part of the audience that's saying, you know what? Bring back the okay, hospital. We don't, well, yes, well, not just bring back the hospital, balance the show. If you're going to do the mob, fine. But don't do all mob all the time. As it is now, it's four days a week mob, one day a week, you know, whether it's Scrubs or Liz Lucky Nicholas or, you know, whatever. It's, it's the other stories on the show, it's so unbalanced. I've, I've literally never seen a show tilt so heavily toward one set of characters. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost comical how really strongly they tilt toward that. And I've made a, you know, I've said time and again, I have a real problem with the lack of, you know, of what I see as, you know, I am not, I need to say, I am not a prude, I'm not like, you know, Johnny, Johnny, do, do right, Dudley do right or anything, but there comes a point where, where I look at a show and I say, there are no good people on it. You know, General Hospital is a show where, um, you know, the highlight of their last year was a mobster who is the hero of the show, shooting an unarmed cop. That is unacceptable to me. That is, you know... Well, that, that basically goes in case in point with some of these actors that have left the show in the recent years, case in point, uh, Ted King. It's like, Sonny always wins. That basically well, was his statement. It's not even that. I mean, the problem with the show is that, that it is a dark show with a really messed up sense of morality. I mean, it's a show where because a judge did the right thing and sent a young and sent Michael to prison for 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 killing his stepmother, you know, because of that, the the supposed good guys on the show, Lucky and Dante, are trying to dig up dirt on the judge to blackmail him. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's you know, like, what, 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 seriously, like, why do you want to do that? I mean, he went to prison for killing a woman. Why do you want to get him out because well, he and, killed and a woman? Sense, that, especially since, you know, we've got Carly wandering around every day plotting against Dante and Lulu to, to, because she blames them for her son being in prison when, Carly, this is your fault. From the moment that you gave birth to this child and basically handed him over to a mobster instead of to AJ and then continued over the years, right up to the point where he killed Claudia and wanted to confess, and, and Jax wanted him to confess, and you, know, and you sat there and said, no, if you confess, this will be bad. I mean, I mean, this is a woman who never takes responsibility for her actions, and yet she's the heroine of the show. So I love General Hospital in that it has, some of the, it has some of the best actors in the business. There is no denying it. You know, Maurice, Laura, Steve just all the way down, Kimberly, Jason, um, Jason, um, you know, there's so many good actors on that show. And their dialogue writers are, the, are some of the best in the business. General Hospital is a show that you watch it and you, you don't necessarily like the overall stories they're telling, but you're compelled to watch it because the dialogue and the actors are so fantastic. 
and that's a really weird combination. You know, like, I hate, I, I really have gotten to the point where I can't take much more of the mob stuff. But I do love all of these actors, and I really like the dialogue that they deliver and how well they deliver it. So it creates a weird show that I watch, but I'm not necessarily, you know, you're not intrigued by it. Right. There's no right. There's no suspense to it. You know, there's no suspense to when somebody pulls a gun on Johnny or Jason or or you know or Sonny or when Carter in prison threatens to kill Jason. There's no real threat because we know that Jason and and all of these other guys, that all these other mobsters, we know nothing's going to happen to them. They're not going to go to jail. They're not going to be punished. They're never going to be made to pay for their various crimes. There's no suspense in that kind of storytelling for me. Would you, and this is a question that I definitely wanted to ask just when you brought that up, because I know I have mentioned this time and time and again. You've watched when Wendy... Rich was executive producer of that show. Sure. During that time, would you like it yes. go back to that during what her I era? Want, I mean, what I want is not necessarily any one person's, you know, era or. I mean, let's you know, Bob Guza. You know, a lot of people criticize Bob Guza and his writing. Um, but let's remember, Bob Guza also gave us Clink Boom, one of the most famous moments in General Hospital history. Um, you know, the story of Jason, Sonny, and Brenda was was a highlight in the last 10, 20 years of, of General Hospital history. So it's it's not so much going back to a particular person as it is. I don't I don't want any soap to become completely obsessed with any two or three characters. Um, that to me is a very unbalanced. Ca- canvas, and if I'm not interested in those people, then, you know, if, if I'm trying to bring in new viewers, I need them to be interested in, and let's say, let's say, let's say I'm trying to bring new viewers into the show, and mm-hmm. they tune in one day, and what really captures their attention is Patrick and Robin. They're like, oh my God, I love this couple. This, this couple is adorable. Well, if that couple then disappears for a week, because they have their one day a week, and the rest is going to be all mob stories and violence and whatever, I've lost that person, you know? Um, so I need for the show to be more balanced and to remember that it does take place in a hospital and that, and I also need it to find sort of a moral center and compass. And, you know, that was always a big thing in the old days of soaps. And when, again, this is when soaps were, you know, wildly more popular than they are now, is while there are, while there are interesting things to be done with characters who are shades of gray, you don't want characters who are all all black or all white. You want characters who are sort of in the middle sometimes. But General Hospital is a show that is all dark. <laughs> you know, um, there is there aren't there aren't characters who are shades. I mean, and the characters who we're supposed to think of as being sort of shades of gray are bad people. You know, I mean, yes, Jason went to prison to protect Michael, but you know what? Jason is a hitman. Jason's job is to kill people, and I'm sorry, but you, your hero, the hero of your show, should not be someone whose job description is killer. You know, it should be like corporate executive or I don't know, rich guy, not killer. <laughs> right. It's just, so yeah, I just if it's you're just not in somebody's office, you're pretty much not anybody. When I watch the show, it seems like to me, it's like, very if you're true. Not, if you're not Either in any way in Shunny and his and his people's orbit in any way, shape, form, then what's the point of you being on this show? Well, That's think about, much it. How I feel Even, about it. 
But well, think about it. Even Patrick and Robin. What do Patrick and Robin fight about all the time? They fight about her connection to Jason and Sonny. I mean, I mean, you know, there's so much more to Patrick and Robin than her connection to Jason and Sonny and, and, and the time that they spent together years ago and, you know, that Jason's her ex-boyfriend and Sonny was a mentor to the, the, the first love of her life. There's so much more to these characters than that. And yet, you know, that's what 90% of Jason and Robin's or Jason and Patrick's story revolves around. And that to me is just insane. Like they, they could like easily just like have another something else that they could be fighting about, but it always has to be drawn over to them. And that's, that's pretty much, that's the thing I want to know. How come, how come Sonny and Jason and what they do is their niche? Why is that their niche? Why is this, another person's niche. Why is this this person's niche? I, I mean, seriously, isn't there anything else that you could be fighting over? I mean, when I hear that whenever Constance Towers comes back to reprise a role as Helena Cassidy, I love it because it gets me away from Sonny and Jason. It gets me away from Sonny and Jason. And I agree. It, it, and, it finally and gives me something the, to see with, with Tony Geary and, and, and Jane Elliott. I mean, I love her to and death, did, but seriously. And what, did they do? What? and what did they do? They talked about months and months and months ago, back in, like, you know, October or something, even before that, I think, they started getting us excited for this big Valentine story. It was a guy who was so – Valentine Cassadine has been billed to us as a guy who is so scary that Helena is afraid of him. That's how bad this guy is. And we've heard about him for months. And yet they yeah. keep saying, oh, we don't have room on the canvas for that right now. You know how you can make room for that? Cut Sonny and Jason back to three days a week and give Helena two days a week instead of one. I mean, you know. Oh, we, no, we can't do that. That means, that means we lose our fan base if we get rid of Sonny and Jason for more than, more than two days off of a week. If we give them three days a week, what the hell, what are we going to do? We will survive. Please, it's, tell it's it to a, somebody else who cares. Yeah, I agree. They just asked, is that other Cassidyne ever coming? I said, yeah. The day that that comes is the day that um, pretty much I give up Kool-Aid, and you know how I feel about no, that. No, it, it, will, it will come. I do believe that it will come. But the problem is that, you know, it's, it's, there's got to be room on the canvas for that story. And, you know, they keep letting other things push it back. You know, Franco is gonna is is coming on now, and and you know when Franco. Why is are they bringing then, him back and his mother? I mean, that's the other. Why why do they have to do that? That was an epic fail when that first started, and they. they I completely disagree. No I, com- I completely disagree. I thought, you know, if you're going to continue to tell me dark dark stories, there needs to be something at least interesting about them. I found Franco's story to be really interesting. Here was this guy who was obsessed with Jason. Really? I, mean, I actually watched that in full, and I was not pleased. Well, I like Franco. But, but you have to I realize, like Franco. But you have to realize, no story is going to satisfy everybody. No matter what story it is, there's going to be people who like it, and there's going to be people who hate it. I, I happened to really, really like the Franco story because it was, it was tied to the mob, but at least it was something different. And it was interesting, and it was an unusual story, and it was kind of creepy, and it was weird, and I liked that. So I have no problem, you know, because if it, if it means I get away from Sonny's constant whining about how 
he, you know, I, I hurt everyone in my life, and yet he doesn't do anything to change. I mean, that's been going on for five years now. So, so if Franco coming in is something that gets me away from that story, then, hey, I'm all for it. I'm, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. Plus, because of the way they left it open, um, what I really, one of the other things I really liked about Franco was the end of Claudia Zakara's story, you know, when Claudia Zakara was murdered. They, they found a way on pretty short notice to spiral that beautifully into the Franco story. Because, you know, Franco saw the whole thing and he recreated the crime scene and, and it got our story off to a really weird start. Well, when Franco left, the last thing he said was, if you kill, uh, if Jason killed, I will kill again, you know. Um, and then Franco left. Well, here we go. We've got another great way of bringing him into the story because, you know, so far Jason has not killed anybody, but he's about to. And once Jason kills, that automatically sets in motion Franco returning. So, so you know, like I like when stories feel as if they kind of progress out of something. So while there's, there's things about this that I don't particularly love, I do like that they're playing this kind of thing that was left hanging in the balance. Um, you know, when Franco left. It makes sense to bring him back because they left this huge open door that they have to resolve. If Jason is going to continue to be a hitman and continue to function in the mob, sooner or later he's going to kill somebody. And and that means you almost have to bring Franco back because there's that un, there's that threat hanging in the air. So for me it makes perfect sense. That seems, that just, just makes me seem like that's the only thing they can do very well with continuity. Is just something like that where it deals with what you just said. If oh, Jason I agree. killed, I will forget. I, I, I completely agree. But if if these are the stories you're going to tell, at least I want them to be interesting. And you know, if you're going to insist on telling me these dark, kind of violent stories, I at least am going to want them to be interesting. And and you know, this at least is a little bit interesting to me. So I'm I'm willing I'm willing to. I'm willing to at least start the story and see how it plays out because the last time he was around, I enjoyed the story. They should just rename the show Mob Central. It wouldn't be any well, different. Well, you know, that's, just the title. that's people have been saying that for years, you know, or that when they when they decided to do a spinoff, you know, it was ironic that you know Port Charles was was during its first year or two before it went in, before it turned into a gothic telenovela. Um, Port Charles all took place at the hospital, and General Hospital all took place at the mob. And people were kind of like, well, they should really just change the name of the two shows. That would make more sense. But, you know, that's, that's, that's a long time, that's a long time uh, complaint from people. Well, you know, we were allowed to complain, I guess. But, will they listen? No. But we're allowed to complain. It's like how I complain I about complain every day. some issues with, with Y&R. You know, it's like how Mackenzie was telling JT the other day. She was fat. She was, she's huge. She's hormonal. But yet JT was still calling her beautiful. I'm not fat. I'm not fat. I'm spewing testosterone whenever Weinard does something that I don't like. I thought that was a lovely scene. I am not a big fan of Max. I didn't say that was a terrible scene, but when I watched it, I said, now that was kind of (laughs) cute. That was kind of cute, especially, you know, that was the same day I did that interview with Stacey, and, of course, during that, during the live airing of that, they were reading your tweet that you wrote about it. <laughs> Out loud. 
They said, yeah, from Soaps and Depth CVS, they said, this is what we want to see more of on Y&R. And I'm like, yeah, it's true. Exactly. We want to see real stuff. We don't want to see this. The, we don't want to see the crappy stories. I mean, if we want to see if we want to see crappy action mystery stories, we've got a lot of other shows we can watch. We've got primetime shows that can do it better. Hell, we can turn over and watch General Hospital. But but <laughs> I want when I tune in Y and R, I want I want family drama. I want fun. I want Billy and Victoria. I want Abby. I want you know I I I want real drama. I don't want Victor Perry. Do you want Snapper? You can admit it if you want. You you want. You want to see Snapper? I, I'm very interested in this because the story that they're going to tell with Snapper and Liz and Greg all coming back is yeah. is a story that's been kind of left up in the air for quite a while now, which is who are Jill's real parents? Because you know we thought for a while that it was that it was Catherine, and then they revealed that that wasn't it. So ever since they revealed that Catherine and Jill really aren't mother and daughter, we've never really addressed the issue of who are her parents, and that is going to be addressed by this story. That's why they're doing this story. So yeah, I found it I'm, interesting I'm, that they are addressing it because I mean, obviously, Y&R's main consistent thing that they that Y&R is known for is that they've been known to drop stories. And they never picked them up. I mean, there's quite a bit of stories that have been jotted and have never been mentioned before. One of them has been about Ashley not being John Adams' biological daughter. The other one is that of the fact of Chris and Paul's hit and run. They dropped that, too. We all know it was Phyllis, but they don't know that. Um, oh, yeah. That's what makes Phyllis one of the most hypocritical characters around, is that you know Phyllis is all of a sudden this woman who's going to run around town and butt into everybody's business and, and solve crimes and be a super detective or whatever when, when you know, she, and, and every time she says something like, you know, and they have her do this all the time where she's like, oh, he's a killer and we're going to get at him. You know, really, Phyllis, you of all people are going to start spitting lines like that because um, you've done some really awful things, including, as much as I love Nick and, Sher- Nick and Phyllis now, we need to remember he was a married man at the time that she stole him. And so now, you know, when, when Sharon, she, she gets all, you know, very upset with Sharon for being around, you're just getting a taste of your own medicine. I would really like to see, I would really like to see the old Phyllis come back. And by that I mean the feisty, fiery Phyllis. To me, they missed a huge, huge story opportunity when, um, when Phyllis started to figure out that Adam, you know, was maybe behind the baby switch and all that. All of a sudden, Phyllis went into heroine-slash-detective mode, and she was going to find out what really happened, and she was going to pin this on Adam, and she was going to break up Adam and Sharon's marriage. Now, to me, that made no sense, because why would Phyllis want to break up Adam and Sharon's marriage? If Sharon is single, what's the first thing she always does? Boomerang back to to Nick. Nick. What should have happened was, when Phyllis found out that the baby wasn't, or that the baby was Nick's, and that the baby had been switching off, when she found that out, she should have worked with Adam to keep that secret. And we could have played it like, you know, we didn't need to play it like she was... Or blackmail them. She could have even blackmailed him to do that. Not even work with him. But what she should have done was she should have worked to keep that secret under wraps. Because, you know, knowing that, my God, as soon as my husband finds out that the baby is alive and that he and Sharon have a child out there again, he, I, we know Nick. We know what he's going to do. He's going to be drawn back to her. 
and we could have played that Phyllis was reluctant to do this and that and sort of had her have conversations with Michael, who remembers her from the bad old days. And he, she could have said, Michael, I hate this. I'm regressing to the person I used to be, but I have to do it. I have to play. I have to do this in order to keep my marriage and to keep my husband. It would have been great drama and it would have stretched the story out longer instead of rushing the story. But. No, they they right now they've now decided that Phyllis is the heroine of the show, and they write her as if she has never done anything wrong, and as if she is, you know, the she has every right to be very self righteous and sanctimonious when that's not the Phyllis we knew for years and years and years and years, and she never really did anything to earn the right to be that sanctimonious. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, it was it's funny. I was actually reading a message on Twitter the other day. They said that when uh, Laura Lee Bell returned to the show uh, as Cricket. I never refer to her as Chris, by the way. I always refer to her as Cricket, just so you know. But okay. whenever, Cricket return, whenever Cricket returns back to the show, they should, like, have Cricket just basically go ahead and, you know, nail Phil as we're running her, her and Paul over. I was like, yeah, but now that it's been, like, 15 years, I mean, do we really need to rehash that? And I'm like, they can probably... For what purpose? Maybe so they could start bringing Phyllis back to her old conniving ways? Sure. But how would they work with that? That's the other thing. How would they bring her back to how she was? Well, there are a million ways to do it. I mean, the fact is, this week, Sharon is moving in with Phyllis and Nick. That would bring out all of Phyllis's insecurities, and when Phyllis is insecure, that's when she does stupid stuff. Every time that she tried to hurt Cricket, it was because she was jealous and she was, you know, afraid that she was going to lose her husband or, you know, lose Danny or whatever. And, and whenever Phyllis in the past got that way, she does stupid stuff. That's, you know, she got that way with when Diane moved into the, into the, uh, the pool house at the time that Jack was married to Phyllis. I mean, it's, it's, it's a record with her. She does it all the time. So it would be very, very easy to play. And it would be great because you could, you could still play her as, you know, I don't really love her as the heroine, but you can play her as the heroine and sort of have her being drawn back and saying, God, I remember how to do this. It's pretty easy for me to be bad. And I don't want to, but I have to, because if I don't, I'm going to lose my husband or I'm going to lose, you know, whatever. There's, there's so many easy ways to do it. Um, it's just a matter of the show stopping looking at her and saying, and saying that she's the heroine and remember that she's a feisty vixen. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a vixen. I mean, the most interesting characters on daytime to me have been vixens. Uh, my, one, yeah, my, favorite vixen. character, my favorite character of all time is Raven Alexander Jameson Swift, Whitney Devereaux Brown, Whitney Whitney. I mean, she was the, the best vixen in daytime history for my, for my money. So, to, to, to make Phyllis this kind of boring, married woman who is all of a sudden, you know, a goody two-shoes and, and self-righteous to boot, that's boring to me. That's a dime a dozen roll. I want Vixen Phyllis. We definitely don't have a Vixen. Really, we don't have any Vixens of Lana right now, and we need one. No doubt. I would agree. I mean, there, there, there are characters who, like, it happens all the time. They start out as vixens. Chloe started out as a vixen. Now she's kind of, you know, lost that. I mean, she's still a little bit, but not too much. Um, there's really, yeah, there's really not a good, um, I guess the closest is probably Jill, but, you know, um, they don't really write her. They write her more as a kind of a 
they were kind of as more of a mean shrew than they do a vixen. <laughs> I agree with that. I do agree with that. That's all they're writing her as, because they're not giving her anything up until this new storyline starts. So yeah, and even this, and even this, she's very secondary in it. You know, it's really more about more about Ashley and and Tucker and and Billy and Victoria. Jill is really just sort of a kind of a secondary prop in the story. Oh, unless you mean the the, the Jill's mom. And I'll be interested to see how how that plays out. And you know, is it I sort of a too. blip, or do they play it out long term? Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, we don't know about that. I mean, I mean, I found out what's going on with the story, who it is, whatever. But it's just like, is this going to be long term? I mean, remember, Jill Foster Abbott is the uh, an original character of the show, so it's kind of weird seeing her character being treated as a secondary prop to other things now. So she she was an original character of the show. Granted, mm-hmm. there were other actresses in the place of the role, but she's an original character from the show. So, again, it's still weird, but I would love to see her be used more and how she should be used. Jess Walker is an amazing actress. Give her material to work with. Give her a story to work with. She can make it work. And they're not giving her that. I mean, they they tried, they, they stopped, they failed, and then they just never gave her anything. Give her something to do. Give her something in the corporate business because that's how she she's able to roll in that. She's able to roll in stuff well, for, in Jabot. For the love of God, give her a boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, she needs a love interest. Phil, she needs a man. Jill, of, yeah, Jill I mean, a, yeah. Jill is a notorious man-eater. She needs, uh, um, you know, I mean, she's she's always been the most interesting when she's had a man to play off of um, because it brings out her insecurities. It brings out, you know, uh, that's that's something that was always, you know, Jill had, you know, when she was involved with Shark, uh, you know, Larry, whatever his name was, the, the, you know, and she had the, that hot young computer guy who was her boyfriend, Sean, I think his name was, for a while. Sean, yes, um, Sean. They, they, you know, they, they need to do that again. They need, to, they need to bring, they need to play her as a viable romantic interest. But, you know, they, they don't seem to, like, for, for God's sake, why not? You've got Jeffrey. You've got Gloria. We know that Gloria, or we know that Jeffrey and Joel were involved in the past. Let's play that again. That that was good, fun stuff. Um, and and Judith Chapman is just a blast to watch. So so let's play that again instead of backburnering. That's because she reminds me of Brenda Dixon's Jill. That's why. Sure, totally. to me, I could see that. Totally to me, she reminds me of Brenda Dixon's Jill. That's why it's fine. They're entertaining. She brings the. She brings a little bit of the camp with her. So sure. there there it is. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, B&B has been playing camp for years now. When I talk oh, they've to, been playing camp since um, it started. <laughs> well, no, no, they haven't. They haven't. And that's the thing. I was talking to, um, I was talking to Brad Bell a while back, and he was, he was, we were talking about the history of the show because this was when it was celebrating its 20th anniversary. And we were right. talking about the difference between the show then and now. And he said, you know what really made the difference? was um, when we introduced Sally Spectra and we introduced a little bit of camp into the show and he said, and we all of a sudden realized, and this was, this was not, you know, Sally was not on at the beginning. He said, we all of a sudden no, realized this was, this was something really fun and it gave us, it didn't just give us a second family to cut away to, it gave us fun stuff that we could do and we could be over the top and we could be campy. He said, if it wasn't for Sally Spectra and the introduction of her, we never would have had what to me was the best scene of 2009, which was 
man and horse. When 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 uh, Brooke came riding in, and Taylor and Ridge were about to get married, and the minister said, "I now pronounce you man and horse." It was yes. classic. It was campy. It took it took one of the you know what can be a tired it was total B and B. It was classic B and B, but it was not classic original B and B. Original B and B was much more serious and dramatic, and it took itself very, very, very seriously. And it wasn't until they introduced Sally Spectra and then started, you know, kind of that was what gave them the freedom to play camp, and they've run with it ever since. Oh, man. i got to tell you what. We've been here for two hours. I know. And we can be here, <laughs> and we can be here for maybe about another two hours, but it looks like we got to roll. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and I'm I'm dying of hunger. I'm starving. I I didn't realize I was oh being here too. so long. So, I am. Uh, so I'm, definitely I'm so hungry. hungry. I'm so hungry. You have no idea. I have to get in my car and go to the nearest McDonald's or something. That's how hungry I am. But there was there was messages saying that we need to do a weekly we need to do a weekly show. <laughs> well, good lord, you know. never know. Uh, you never know. I already I, I've I've got two a week at this point, and and. My goodness, uh, we'll have to see. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll we'll find. We'll we'll, we'll come up with something, folks. I like. Yes. Find out when we get back from Vegas. We'll let you know after that. Yes, that sounds good. Are you going? I am. Uh, no, I am not. Um, I can't. It's it's almost impossible when the ceremony is on a Sunday for me to go. I mean, we'll have a staff out there. Um, I would like to go. Um, I love going to the Emmys. I think it's a blast. But because we basically have to hold pages that Monday morning we have to start working on and, you know, to get all the late coverage of the Emmys in. And there's just no way that I can go to the Emmys on Sunday night and be back and, and, and work, you know, a 15-hour day on Monday. It's just It's just literally impossible so i used to always go when it was on friday because then i could you know i could stay friday i could go to all the after parties and then on saturday i would fly home and sunday i would start working on the issue but these days with the last two years this year and last year it's on sunday and sunday night unfortunately just makes it impossible unless they in the future you know if they're going to continue doing it on sunday if they happen to move it back to new york then you know then i'd be able to do it but for to go to vegas uh which is one of my favorite cities on earth. I wish I could go, but I'm not going to be able to make it this year. Oh, well, I will miss you. You'll be there in spirit. I will be there in spirit. I definitely will. So, so from that, we're going to sign off now. But again, once I get back, we'll talk. We'll have we'll email, phone conversation, whatever. We'll we'll work out something. Okay. It'll be fun. It'll be, It'll fun. be fun. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for stopping by on your first visit. Thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me pop your buzzworthy cherry. I'm not going to touch that. Not going to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I could say it to Stacey Heidegg, I guess I could say it to you. I, I suppose that's true. I'm in good company, so I guess I guess that's true. So, there it is. Thank you very much again, Richardson's editor, Soaps and Death, made his first Buzzworthy visit. I thank you again. And uh, really, the door is open. I'd love to have you back. Anytime you want, please come. We would love to have you on again, no doubt. Thanks. I'd love to. I'll talk to you later. All right.
that does it for me, actually. <laughs> that does it for Am I done? I, wow. Uh, it's, <laughs> I'm starving. I'm hungry. I've got to eat something. But for now, I'm signing off. I want to thank you all for joining the show tonight. I am right now just hugely excited because during the night, you know, I just got a confirmation email that I graduated. Uh, I'm now in the job placement program for a radio position. You know, so it's just it, it's just so much that is going on within the past two hours that I just couldn't get into. But I'm just, like, hugely excited. I'm hugely hungry. I'm hugely everything. So, I'm just huge, but I just don't show it. But I'm huge. But <laughs> I want to thank you again for tuning into the show. For now, I'm signing off. I'm the Bell Jilly. I want to make sure you guys get the latest buzz with Buzzworthy Radio. We'll see you guys in Vegas. Take care. Can't get enough of Buzzworthy Radio. Log on now to www.buzzworthyradio.net to get the latest news on upcoming guests, past shows, and videos of all your favorite stars. Keep getting the latest buzz with Buzzworthy.